Hello everyone, welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and today we have a great message for you coming out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. The title of the message is Keeping the Devil on Defense. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, pause the podcast room, get your Bible, come back and join us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So, church, the sword of the spirit is how Paul describes the word of God and its role in spiritual warfare, while truth, salvation, faith, and righteousness are also depicted as essential pieces of armor. The word of God is depicted as that offensive weapon used in spiritual warfare against the devil, the demons, and other schemes that he may play in our lives and trying to persuade us to go the wrong direction. Now, it is possible to read the Bible critically, judging whether you agree with its claims or not, but a much more appropriate way to read the Bible is to let the Bible critique us, let the Bible change us and and make some persuasions in our lives on how we should change. And as it judges our thoughts and the attitude of our hearts with with the precision of a double-edged sword, as the Word says that it is. Now, the Apostle Paul closes out his letter to the church in Ephesus by reminding them that they are at war. I don't know about you out there in the Christian world today, those that's listening, but you need to know that you are in a war. It's a spiritual warfare, and he says in Ephesians chapter 6 and 12, he makes it pretty clear, it's not war against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the devils and his demons, against rulers and authorities and powers of darkness, principalities and spiritual forces of evil and the, those evil spirits in the heavenly realms. Now, the point that we need to make is that the spiritual warfare against us, the Christians, the disciples of Jesus Christ include such dangers as the devil's schemes. He he loves to scheme in the church. He loves to scheme with God's people. The, he also uses flaming arrows of the evil one, as the scripture says, and the day of evil. The scripture points those three things out. Schemes of the devil, flames of the evil one, and uh, the day of evil. Now church, against this onslaught of attacks, against all this warfare that Satan used against us, our main objective involves standing. Ephesians 6 and 10 says to take your stand. Stand up against the enemy. Don't let the enemy get a foothold in your life. Ephesians 6 and 13, just three verses later, he's telling us again, stand your ground. Don't give an inch to the devil. Ephesians 6 and 14 and the very next verse says that the church should stand firm. The Christians need to learn to stand. Stand firm. Stand your ground and don't give an inch to the enemy. And the problem that we face in church today is people tend to get programmed by the enemy to hold on to stuff. They hold on to offenses. They hold on to hurts. They hold on to words. They hold on to all those little foxes that the Bible says spoils the vine. All those little bitty things and the devil learns to program those things. He does it on purpose. That's his objective. He wants to make sure that he can put little bitty things in so that he don't make it obvious that he's the one doing the work. Now, people come to church, and, they, and a lot of times when they're dealing with things, and a lot of you out there is dealing with stuff too. Everybody deals with things, but 
We, we tend to come to church and put on a great mask to, to cover up what we feel and what we're hurting and what, what's going on in our life, but refuse to share or let it out or let anybody know so that you can get spiritual help. So uh, let's look at it this way. When, when praise and worship gets going in your life, you can see joy coming out of people's mouths and you can see uh, a lot of excitement coming out of, their, out of their mouth and out of their expressions. But if you could only see what's coming out of the people's hearts, then you might see what's really going into their lives. You know, there may be somebody sitting in the church that's mad at their mother or, or mad at their wife or mad at their husband and or, or maybe some friend or something like that. And so um, they they try to cover that up and while their hands are in the air praising and while they're worshiping and trying to put on the best persona that they can because they don't know how to deal with what they're going through, they're praising with their mouth, they're praising with their lips and their hearts are going through some struggles that they can't seem to get through. And so I, I got a little course here that I that I want to use to kind of point that out. It's it's kind of give you a little bit of a funny today, but uh it's, it's kind of to the tune of just a closer walk. So it says, I'm so mad at her, it hurts. I can't wait to get out of church. I'll keep smiling while in God's house. But what I really want is to smack her mouth. And, you know, there's was, was a lot of people. I know that's funny and y'all thinking, where in the world is he going with this? But there's a lot of people that's got some things going on in their mind and going on in their hearts and stuff that's going on at their home and at their job and things like that. And they bring all that stuff to church with them and they don't turn it loose and they can't hear the word of God. They can't concentrate on what's what God's trying to do because stuff like that crazy little uh, funny course that I just rewrote there for you is going on through people's minds. Now, that don't just have to be a her or a him. It could be a situation at your job or your boss or whatever, but things going on in your life and in your heart and in your mind and stuff like that. When you come to church, it's still stewing. It's still burning around in your heart and it's still causing some conflict inside of you and you can't get your heart focused on what God wants you to be doing. So see, people quickly forget these divisions that they create within themselves. They, they create these things. Nobody else creates them. We create them ourselves by holding on to this stuff and letting that stuff get hold of us and let it get bitter inside of us and we bring it to church with us. It's supposed to be our place of refuge. It's supposed to be a place where we can turn loose of that stuff and, and share it with other people to get help and, and be able to stand, take a stance, stand firm and, and get away from the things that the devil tries to do to us. But see, the reason why we can't put the devil on defense is because we're always fighting on defense against these things that we create ourselves. People do this stuff to themselves by not dealing with the devil early on. Matthew chapter 7 verses 3 through 5 says that why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, what's Jesus saying there? People carry so many problems and they carry so much weight and going on that they don't even realize that they need to draw attention to their own issues so that they can get well and they can be healed spiritually. But when they see it in somebody else, it's clear as a bell to them. That's that's not something that's spiritual uh, 
as in Christ-like, that's something that the devil points out. That's something the devil brings into the church so that you, you will ignore the fact that you've got some things that you need to lay at the altar and ask God's help for, but you can surely point out somebody else's speck. Do you really know what the problem is here? The guy having problems with the brother's speck started out with a speck that he didn't deal with. That, that's the truth. That big plank that's in his eye, it started out as a speck. It, it turned into something bigger because every plank in somebody's eye is made up of a whole lot of specks. It takes a whole lot of disregarding the speck in your eye for that plank to become a plank instead of uh, taking care of it early on. You know, a little bit of water in your eye will get some sawdust out and your little speck's taken care of. But if you don't treat it, if you don't turn to something quickly to get rid of it in a hurry, then that plank becomes a another plank or it become the speck becomes another speck and and then another speck and pretty soon your eye is full of a plank because you've got so many specks in there and then when when you don't deal with that you've got some serious issues that you carry for so long until you get to the place where you disregard your own issues but the other eye you can clearly see the speck in somebody else's eye and you try to step out and help them when when you can't help yourself yet see the devil uses these small specks to build planks and the and these planks let me point them out because we're not really talking about two befores and sawdust here god is uh, when jesus was speaking here he's using metaphors and things like that so these these specks that makes these planks are, are words that are said. Cabinet doors left open at home, socks left laying on the floor, laundry laying around, just small unchecked offenses that have not been dealt with. Maybe you said something you shouldn't have said and you never did go back and make it right. Or maybe you did something you shouldn't do and you never did go back and make it right. That's what he's talking about. These are these little specks. They're small things. The little foxes that, that destroy the vine. That You know, if, if there's something that you said that you feel like has hurt somebody, don't put that thing off. Just go back and deal with it right then. The devil uses these things to build an offense and, and they don't even have to be true. Somebody could just take you the wrong way and then you not go back and deal with it or clarify it or, or they don't come to you because they took it the wrong way and say, hey, brother or sister, I, I took this this way and I'm sorry. I, I felt offended because of that. And then you get the chance to say, I really didn't mean it that way at all. But see, they just need to be, it just needs to be something that the devil can get hold of and, and get you to accept as an offense. It just needs to be something he's able to plant into your heart and into your mind and get it to take root. And if we don't deal with it quickly, then it becomes an offense. Matthew chapter 5 and 21 says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago that you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, this is Jesus speaking here, he says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, and that word Raka means empty-headed or foolish. You're calling somebody an airhead. Anybody just call somebody a name. That's what he's saying. Some derogatory name. He's saying anyone who says to your brother or sister, calling them some derogatory name is answerable to the courts. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fires of hell. So Matthew chapter 5 and 25, just a few verses later, Jesus is speaking again here. He says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is talking or who is taking you to court. 
He, he goes on to say, do it while you're still together. Do it while you're still together on your way to court. You haven't gotten to court yet. You've still got a chance to make it right, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. So look at this, church. I want, I want to point this out a little bit because you may not read this this way, but in verse 21, we're talking about your brother and sister in Christ. In verse 25, we're talking about your adversary, some enemy. You may take this as two different people, but I want you to look at it like this. What if it's not two different people? What if it's the same person? What if the same person you call brother or sister in that first verse is actually the same person you're now calling your enemy in the other verse? Because if you don't use the Word of God and let His Word teach you how to deal with the offense quickly, it could turn your, your brother and sister into an enemy. Look at it. If you don't settle matters quickly while you're still together, it all starts with raka, some small offense not handled properly by the one that's being offended. And see, if, if we do that, if we, if we handle that, I, I, I talk, heard a story that a preacher was telling one time that uh, he was trying to back out of a parking place and, and this lady had pulled up behind him trying to get his parking place when he pulls out and there's another truck coming in from the other direction and he's backed off waiting too. And so uh, she's sitting there waiting on him to pull out of the parking place and she's pulled up so close that he can't get out. And so she's honking the horn and waving at him and stuff like that. And, and he's kind of putting his hands in the air like I can't get out. And so the other guy in the truck seemingly seems to be this woman's husband. So he starts honking the horn and saying, what's up? So he gets out of the truck and runs over to the preacher's car and starts yelling at him. And so the preacher gets out of the car. And, and naturally, the preacher is a bigger fella than the guy that got out of his truck. And uh, then he recognizes him and sees that he's the preacher. So all of a sudden, he gets real holy about things. as well, brother, God bless you. How things going and all? And puts all this stuff together and and the, the bad thing was that the preacher got out of the vehicle and he was ready to get back there and get right with this guy because this guy was getting right with him. And then uh, his eight-year-old son gets out of the out of the car too, the preacher's eight-year-old son, and runs up beside him and, and standing there like he's going to do something too. Well, finally they get this thing put all to taken to care of. The, the lady backs up. He gets back in the car with his with his boys, and uh, he says, uh, he looks to his eight-year-old son, says, son, what in the world was you doing? What was you going to do? He said, daddy, I was going to kick him in the shin if I had to. Well, he, well, his, his older son, his 19-year-old son, looks at his dad, the preacher, and goes, uh, well, dad, what was you going to do? And so he stopped and thought there for a minute, and he said, well, I was going to do whatever I, I thought I needed to do at the time. And he said, well, Dad, what if you got out there and it got out of hand, and then you wound up getting arrested, and then we get left here in the car, and they take you to jail, and you get hauled off for assault, and then we're sitting here by ourselves without a dad. What then? You see, he didn't, he didn't look at the story all the way through about how that thing could be played out. And that's what happens with these little offenses when we let them go too far. You never know from one minute to the next how far your uncontrolled anger or offense will lead you. And this is the kind of thing that keeps God's people playing defense all the time and never getting the ball in their own hands so that the church can score some points every now and again. We have to keep the enemy playing defense, church, and, and that means that we have to have a strategy that allows the church to always carry the ball and never fumble or never turn it over on downs. And I, I hope you're getting all these football uh, similes here, but... I, I, 
you need to ask yourself, how does the church do that? Well, when we look at the Bible, Matthew chapter 5, verse 25, Matthew 5 and 25 says we need to settle matters quickly. That, and one scripture says don't let the sun go down on your anger, but Matthew 5 and 25 tells us settle matters quickly. Ephesians 4 and 27 it says never give place to the devil. Don't, don't give the place to the devil to be able to get in the middle of your offense. So, so couple Matthew 5 and 25 and Ephesians 4 and 27 with this next one, 1 Peter 4 and 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. So if we take that threefold scripture right there, Settle matters quickly. Neither give place to the devil and above all things when nothing else can work, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You want to keep the enemy running and keep him on defense. Keep your minds and your hearts focused on God's strategy and not something that just pops in your head or not something that the enemy tricks you into doing. You need to stay in one mind and one accord with the word of God. Settle matters quickly and avoid letting them fester. And then the next thing that we need to be able to do in the church is to understand the enemy's purpose for the offense. We got to realize that when, when the enemy is causing an offense to people and causing division and causing things like that, he's coming for one reason. And that reason is to destroy the work of God, destroy the movement of God, and to take down God's people. So we need to realize why he's attacking if the devil's attacking you, you, I tell this to my church all the time. If the devil is attacking you, you need to know that you're doing something right. So don't pay any attention to that rascal. Stop paying him some mind. Stop giving him the attention that he's trying to get. Because if you are being attacked by the devil, you know you're going in the opposite direction of him and you're headed in the right direction. So we need to understand the enemy's purpose for him trying to cause offenses, trying to cause things to happen in our lives, realize why he's attacking, and then memorize the enemy's game plan. The enemy has a game plan, and it's for one sole purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy, to cause division, to tear down the church. So church, the enemy's agenda is destruction. John chapter 10, verse 10, says that the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy. He's only got one agenda and that is to steal, kill and destroy and that's how first that's how John 10 and 10 tells us. But his he that's his agenda. His agenda is destruction, but now his strategy is division. Luke chapter 11 verse 17 says, "But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls." So Jesus is talking here saying that he knows that if a kingdom gets divided, it will not be able to stand. It will fall waste and will it will be destroyed. Satan's strategy here is to divide and conquer according to Luke chapter 11 and 10. So his agenda is destruction in the church according to John 10 and 10 and his strategy is division in the church according to Luke 10 and 17. Now we've got his agenda, we've got his strategy, but I want to tell you something. His tactic is little offenses. His tactic is to bring out the smallest offenses he can and make them stick. And if you look in Song of Solomon out of all places, this is a place where you talk about the lover. It's where Christ's love for us, where the Song of Solomon is, is talking about how we need to be bonded like the bride of Christ to Christ. And it says in verse two or chapter two, verse fifteen, 
Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. There's a lot of people in the church that are tender-hearted. A lot of things in the church that just takes a little bitty offense that causes people to go haywire and causes people to be offended and, and cause destruction. So these little offenses is Satan's tactics. He don't jump right out of the middle and make it obvious that he's the one doing it. It's the little bitty foxes. So we've got three different things that the, that the devil himself, the enemy of God's people, does. And his agenda is destruction. His strategy is division. And his tactics is little offenses. And the best way to stop a charging army is to make it begin to fight itself. If, the, if a charging army turns on itself and starts fighting itself, it will destroy itself. And if it don't destroy itself while they are tied up fighting, each other, the enemy can come in on all sides and destroy it from the outside in without anybody knowing that it's happening. Now, the best way to avoid this is for the church to circle our wagons around God's word and point our swords outward toward the enemy and fight him, put our backs toward each other and keep each other's backs guarded and fight the enemy. Use the word of God against the enemy and put him on defense once and for all. And when we do this, we operate in God's will. And here's what Jesus tells us about that when we do it. It's found in John 6 and 39 and it says, and this is the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus Christ speaking here when he talks about this. He says, this is the will of God the Father who sent me that all that he has given me, talking about us, the people that he died for and shed his blood for, he says, this is God's will, the Father's will, that all of you that he has given me, I lose not a single one of you but I'll raise you up on the last day. That's what Jesus says about us. So when we put the enemy on defense, we stand back to back with each Christian and, and stand firm and we don't back down. We stand our ground and fight the enemy with the armor of God, putting the sword of the Spirit in our hands and come in unity in one mind and one accord with other Christians and use the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God to come up against the enemy. We keep him on defense and he does not have a chance to get inside of the body of Christ and start causing division. And that's how God's people can stand fast and keep the enemy on defense. Now, I hope that this has helped you out today. I hope that it's reached in you. If it if it has, and if you need to hear it again, pause this podcast, turn around, start it over, play the whole thing again. Get these scriptures buried and embedded in your spirit so that you can throw some red flags on some situations in your life to understand that the enemy is trying to come up against you with his agenda for destruction, his strategy strategy for division, and his tactic with little, little offenses to try to tear down the church and tear down God's people and stop God from moving the way that he wants to move in these last days. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in and we hope to see you on the next one.